so good, so good. Band, you guys are amazing. How incredible was worship this morning, wasn't that? That was special. Before I get into this, first of all, Happy New Year. But there's also something special that I want to mention before I jump into this. And that is that we're looking for more small group leaders. If God has been nudging on your heart to start a small group or an interest group of some kind, maybe it's a coffee group or um, a Bible study group, whatever it may be, then I want you to take one of those connect cards and hold on to it for this service. Put your details there and write down that you are interested in being a small group leader. And we'll get in touch with you and we'll train you so that you're prepared to run a small group. But raise your hand for me if you were in a small group in 2019. So many people, if you weren't in one, you're missing out. Small groups are where it's at. And if you want to be a leader and lead a group of your own, just let us know. And we'd love to have that chat with you. Does that sound good? Well, on Christmas Eve a few years ago, I was back with my family in Oklahoma, and we went to a candlelight service at my parents' church. And afterwards, we were all driving back to my house, about a 15-minute drive, and along the way, we had to go along a highway. And I was in a group uh, in a car full of girls, and we passed along this guy who was broken down on the side of the road with his hood up. And I'll be honest, my first thought was, I would love to help, but we're a car full of girls. This might not be safe, right? Girls, we sometimes thought that, and so... I drove on, and we get home, and we do the Christmas Eve tradition where we get into our pajamas, and we're ready to watch a Christmas movie, and we're waiting on my dad to get back. And 20 minutes later, he walks through the door, and we're like, geez, Dad, what took you so long? Like, we're waiting to start the movie. And without any hesitation, he goes, well, there was a man stopped on the side of the road, so I stopped to help him. But we couldn't get his truck started, so I gave him the money he needed for a tow truck so he could get home to his family on Christmas Eve. We had already forgotten about the guy. We were already snuggled up in our pajamas on the couch waiting, but my dad decided that he would be the one to stop and help. He would be the one to actively love a stranger. Back home in Oklahoma, we also have this long gravel driveway, and after heavy rains, we can get some pretty deep ruts in the driveway that turn into potholes, that turn into flat tires, right? And so you learn how to maneuver around these these potholes as you're going up the driveway, and we're always thinking, oh, dad will fix it at some point when he gets the time or the money to do it. And then one day we came home, and the, gr- the driveway was just smooth, evenly laid, but Dad hadn't done it. And we found out that it was our neighbor, Scott, who had fixed it. Scott was fixing his driveway that, dr- that day, and he noticed our driveway was a shambles as well. And so he just brought extra gravel to fix ours at the same time without even asking us. He decided that he would be the one to actively love a neighbor. A few years ago as well, Frosty and I were going to San Francisco for five days, and I, we were going to be there, but we didn't have any accommodation yet. I didn't have anything sorted, and I emailed this email list I'm a part of. It's a women's club I was in in university, and all the alumni are on the list, and some of them live in San Francisco, and I just reached out to them and said, hey, I'm going to be in this area. If any of you guys have recommendations on where to stay, where to go, what to eat, let me know. Within a day, a girl named Mirta emailed me back, and she said, hey, I'm actually going home to Croatia the day before you get here. Do you want the keys to my apartment so you can stay for free? Like, the crazy thing is, is I didn't even really know Mirta. We just happened to be on the same email list. She joined the club after I had already graduated. We had met once, and she was handing over the keys to her apartment. She decided that she would be the one to help, and she would be the one to actively love a friend. And I'm wondering how often have you ever decided to be inconvenienced in order to show somebody love, in order to actively love somebody else? Like when somebody needs your time, do you give it? 
When somebody needs financial help, do you extend a hand? When somebody simply needs your love and your presence, do you show up? This message that I have for y'all on the first Sunday of a new decade is called Room in the Margin. Room in the Margin. If you're taking notes, which you all should, then I want you to write that down. Now, let me tell you, taking notes is actually a game changer for your faith because it will help you recall specific stories and scriptures when you actually need them the most. And so maybe you've never been a note taker before, but new year, new you, right? Be a note taker, be an engager. I promise you it will change your life. So write that down, room in the margin. We're also going to go to Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 40. Now, this passage of scripture is called the final judgment. Now, this is the moment that I'm sure we've all thought of at some point before. When we stand face-to-face with Jesus, how's it going to go down? Well, right here in this moment, we can read that in verse 31, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his full glory, and all the angels with him, he's going to sit on his glorious throne. And before him, he's going to gather all the nations, all the different people, and he's going to separate them like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now, I know in this life, you're probably thinking, I want to be a goat, greatest of all time, right? Not in scripture. You don't want to be a goat. You want to be with the sheep on the right because the king looks to the sheep on the right and he says, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. But the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, um, when, did we, when did we feed you? Like, I'm pretty sure I'd remember if you came to my house for dinner. And, and when, did we, when did we give you a drink because you were thirsty? Like, I don't remember that. And I'm pretty sure I never came to visit you in prison. And the king says to them in verse 40, truly I say to you, as you did it for one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. And then... He turns his attention to those on the left, the goats. Remember, you don't want to be a goat. And he turns to those on the left, and he says the opposite. He says, you didn't feed me, and you didn't give me a drink when I was thirsty. You didn't invite me in. You didn't welcome me. You didn't show up and visit me when I needed you. And they're left confused. They're like, wait, God, like, I'm pretty sure if we saw you, we would have invited you in. We just never saw you. And God is like, nah, bro, you did. You did. When you ignored all of those people in need, you were actually ignoring me. And then he cast them out from his presence. Pretty heavy, right? We'll get back to this in a second. But when I was in America a few years ago, I was so excited to get this new Bible that I'd been wanting for a while. It's a single column journaling Bible. And the reason I was so excited was not just to have a new Bible with fresh, clean pages, but I was so excited for the big, fat, margin on the side. Now, some of y'all would hate this Bible. Frosty would hate it because Frosty is the type that he doesn't want to mark anything down in his Bible. He wants fresh, clean pages. Are any of you like that? Like you're scared to write into it? Okay, there's a few. I'm the opposite. (laughs) I'm the opposite. I want to highlight, circle, underline, take notes. And so I was so excited to get this type of Bible that had a big, fat margin where I could record down what God was saying to me, record our conversations. I could have room for God to use me in my life and just we could progress in our relationship because to me, I looked at that margin and I was like, opportunity. Margin equals opportunity, but there's not just margin in books. 
There's actually margin in our lives as well. But some of us, we like to write our lives to the very edge of the page, leaving very little opportunity for God to use us because we've, we've left no room to be used by God, left no room to write others into our story or to write others into our day. And here's what I mean. Like, we, we all have a schedule, right? Now, there's some of you, some of you have a mental schedule where you just remember it all. Is that anybody here? Like, you don't write anything down. You just remember I don't know how y'all do it. Like, honestly, if somebody says something to me, I have to write it down in that moment because the moment they walk away, I'm going to forget because I've got so many things coming at me every single day. I'm the type where I have a planner that I carry around with me everywhere so I can see it laid out. Who carries a planner around? And then the rest of you are probably our digital people, right? You keep it in your eye calendar. Who are my digital people? It's all on your phone all on your computer, and you keep it there. And so we all have a schedule. And for the most part, we're the ones who decide what goes into our schedule, right? So when we actually say to somebody, we don't have time, that's not really the truth, right? Because the truth is, we can't make time, right? There's a difference between not having time and not making time. When you say to somebody, I don't have time, what you're really saying is, look, I can't make the time because... You're not a priority in my life, but I'm going to tell you I don't have time because that sounds a lot nicer to hear instead of just saying you're not a priority. That's the reality, right? We all have the power of our schedules, and we have the power to choose what goes into our schedules. Even the most important, busy people that you could think of have the power to decide how much margin is in their schedule. And I'm wondering if you've got any type of margin in your life to be interrupted on your drive home to help a stranger or to be interrupted by somebody else that needs your help and God is nudging you in that direction. You know who had margin in his schedule? Jesus. Jesus had a whole lot of margin in his schedule. Now, think about it. If anybody had a life mission, it was him. If anybody knew that their time on earth was limited... It was him. If anybody could be called busy or important, it was him. But Jesus knew that he was the one who would decide who and what goes into his schedule. He was the one who could decide what it is that he would make time for. See, Jesus had enough margin in his schedule to take the long way through Samaria so that he could have a conversation with a single woman at the well, a story that we now preach about continuously to this day. He had enough margin to make that happen, a woman that desperately needed to know that she was loved that day. Jesus had enough margin to go have dinner at Zacchaeus' house, the tax collector, where nobody else wanted to go to his house. He had enough margin in his schedule to speak to those blind men outside the walls of Jericho so that they could be healed. He had enough margin in his schedule to kneel down and wash his disciples' feet. Jesus constantly looked for opportunities to show love. Opportunities where he would sacrifice his busy schedule in order to show love actionably. Not just with his words, but with his actions. And my question for you is, in your busy life, do you have time to love the way that Jesus did? Is there margin? In Matthew 25, what, what Jesus is saying is really important for us to realize because he's saying that on the day of judgment, God's going to look at your whole life and he's going to say, I see those times when you loved people, and I see those times when you ignored people. But he's not just seeing the people in that instance. He's looking at it and saying, I see those times when you loved me, and I see those times when you ignored me. 
That's what Jesus is looking at. And in 1 John chapter 4, 19 to 21, we read, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Y'all, that's, that's pretty straight up. What he's basically saying is you can't say that you love God, but you don't love people. One's a lie because God's a package deal. He's saying, if you love me, you got to love my people. You can't have one without the other. If you love God, you have to love your brother or sister as well. And I've been reading, well, not recently, but ages ago, I read this book that was incredibly inspiring and challenging. And it was called Love Does by Bob Goff. And the whole premise of this book was that a friend doesn't just say things. A friend does. And if you replace that word friend with Christian, it would say a Christian doesn't just say things. A Christian does. As Christians, it is so important that we do more than just preach the gospel. We need to live it. Instead of saying to somebody, God loves you, that's the truth, and we should keep saying that, but we need to show that. We need to show that in an actionable way. If Jesus could go to the cross for us, imagine what we could do for our brother and sister. Love does. You know, there's this piece of scripture that even non-Christians quote it all the time, oftentimes in their weddings, right? You know what I'm thinking about? This is in so many weddings, even non-Christian weddings, and it's 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. You've heard it before. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Have y'all heard that before? Who's heard it in a wedding before? A lot of people, right? Well, God is love. And if we aspire to be more Christ-like in our character, then this is how we should approach this new year, this new decade. We should actually make a promise to each other and a promise to God to actually live out 1 Corinthians 13. And we should say, we will be patient and kind. We will not envy or boast. We will not be arrogant or rude. We will not insist on our own way. We will not be irritable or resentful. We will not rejoice at wrongdoing, but we will rejoice with the truth. We will bear all things, believe all things, hope for all things, and endure all things. Why? Because love does. And if we want to be like love, then that's what we need to embody. And you, if you need to remind yourself of this every day, honestly, put that scripture up on your wall, up on your mirror, and say to yourself in the morning, you is kind, you is smart, you is important. No, I'm just kidding. But actually, maybe you need to start the day like that. If you know you're about to have a rough day and you're walking into a meeting where you need some more love in your heart, maybe you need to start that day by saying, today I will be patient and kind. Today I will not be rude. We've got to remind ourselves of this because if we're aiming to be more like him, and if we start our day like this, then I promise you, God will breathe opportunity after opportunity into your life so that you could show love to other people, so that you could introduce people to him, so that you could fill your margins with love encounters. Bob Goff describes this love like this. The kind of love that God created and demonstrated is a costly one. Hear me. It's going to cost you something because it involves sacrifice and presence. It's a love that operates more like a sign language than being spoken outright. It's going to involve sacrifice and presence. Now, I'm sure many of you have heard the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. But for those that haven't, here's a quick recap. 
There was this road between Jerusalem and Jericho, and along that road, there was this man who was robbed of everything that he was carrying, and then he was beaten half to death. Then he was abandoned and left there, and he couldn't continue on on his journey, and he's waiting for somebody to come along and help him to rescue him before he dies on the side of the road. And so a priest comes along. And now you'd be thinking at this part of the story, yes, the man of God is the first person to walk down the road. It's going to be good. He's going to save him. It's all right. No, the priest decides to cross to the other side of the road and walk straight on past. A Levite comes along and does the exact same thing, leaving this man there. And then the Samaritan comes along, hence the name, the Good Samaritan. The Samaritan comes along and decides that he would be the one to be inconvenienced that day. He'd be the one to stop and to help somebody who could not help himself. And so he bent down and bandaged his wounds, put him up on his donkey, and then walked him to the nearest town, put him in an inn, and then paid for his stay at the inn and even said, I'll pay you more when I come back. I want to make sure he gets healed. The good Samaritan was the one who decided to stop. And I love Martin Luther King Jr.'s thoughts on this very story. He said, I imagine that the first question that the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But by the very nature of his concern, the good Samaritan reversed the question and said, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? The good Samaritan engaged in dangerous altruism. Altruism is a fancy word meaning selfless concern for the well-being of others. It's basically denying self so that you could put yourself into somebody else's shoes and say, well, what will happen to them if I don't help? Love makes room in the margin. And I'm wondering if there's margin in your schedule. This year, as you enter a new year and a new decade, could you maybe make some room so that God could inconvenience you to help somebody else? to show actionable love to somebody else. Because anyone who loves God, like it says in 1 John 4.19, must also love their brother and sister. Keys can join me now. But I want to know, how do we do this practically? Because I don't just want to start the new year with an inspiring message that says, we need to love more people, but I don't tell you how. I wanted to give you some actionable challenges that you could take on this year that will help you create more margin in your life so that you could show love to people. Is that okay? I want us to start this year, and I've got three challenges for you. And before I say what they are, I want to tell you, if you want to just embrace one of them, okay, maybe two, maybe all three, maybe it's going to take you a little while to embrace even one of them, that's fine. But I want you to write them down. So you've got some notes there or your phone there. I want you to write these down and challenge yourself in 2020 to create some margin. And the first way you can do that is to schedule your priorities like appointments. Schedule your priorities like appointments. Now you would take the time to book in that doctor's appointment so that you didn't miss it, right? You would take the time to put into your calendar that important meeting or that interview or that date so that you didn't miss it and you didn't stand somebody up. You didn't want to stand up that future date or that future employer, right? Why don't we do the same for our priorities? Why don't we book our priorities in like appointments so that they don't get missed for lack of time or lack of margin? Book in that God time into your calendar every single morning. Let me tell y'all, y'all need an appointment with God more than you need a checkup with the doctor, okay? We need to book that time in so that we don't miss it, so that we don't stand him up in the morning because we wouldn't stand up that future employer, would we? 
Book in those play dates with children of yours. Book that time in. I know y'all can get busy as parents, and, and it's easy to say to our children, I'm sorry, sweetie, I can't play with you right now. But what if you actually booked in those play dates with your kids so that you could say, I'm so excited for our play date tomorrow night, and you make it special. Book that time in if that's a priority for you. Book in that holiday well in advance for a time when you know you're going to need it. You know, for us, we book in time off right after our national conferences because it's all guns blazing up until that point, and we know we're going to need a bit of a breather afterwards. So we make sure at the beginning of the year to book in some time where we can intentionally go away together and just have a break. Book in your priorities like appointments. I promise you, if you do this, it will not only set you up for a win, but it will actually create margin in your life because then you've already scheduled in everything that needs your time. You've made time for everything that's important. And then you've got this extra margin where God can say, hey, could you go show love to that person? I promise you, this is a game changer. Now, the second thing, you might not really like this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Plan to arrive 15 minutes early. Plan to arrive 15 minutes early. Now, I know that nowadays most people will run right on time or slightly late because I get it. We live in Auckland. Traffic is a real thing, right? I get it. But if you're always running late or even running right on time, you're not going to have any room for a love encounter to happen before you get there because you've left none. If you see somebody broken down on the side of the road, your thought will be, I don't have time, I'm running late, somebody else will stop and help them, right? Because you've left no room for those encounters to happen. But if you actually plan to arrive 15 minutes early to wherever it is that you're going, you're putting yourself in a position to say, God, look, I'm available if you wanna use me to show love to somebody either on the way or once I get there. See, even once you get there, say you get there 15 minutes early, you might just have a life-changing conversation with somebody before everybody else shows up, before the service starts or before your work day begins, but that conversation could only happen if you're present in the room. I love what one of our team leaders said at our last team night. He said, even on the days I'm not serving, church starts at 9 a.m. for my family because we want to catch up with everyone and have those conversations before the service starts. I love that. The Trollope family, they have so many incredible conversations with so many people in this church. Why? Because they've made the room for it. They said church for us starts at 9 a.m. and they get here an hour early even when they're not serving. The final thing that you could do, and I love this one, is put some God money in a secret pocket in your wallet. Write that down, then I'll explain it. Put some God money in a secret pocket in your wallet. Now I want you to raise your hand if you're with me. I'm guilty of saying this. I'm so sorry I don't carry cash. Have you ever said that? Who carries cash these days, right? There's not many of us that carry cash these days. And so oftentimes we'll actually miss out on opportunities to bless people or show compassion to people because we simply don't carry it anymore. But what I'm challenging you is to put some physical cash into a secret spot in your wallet. Maybe it's $5, maybe it's 100 anywhere in between. And this is important. When you put it there, I want you to say, God, this is your money and I ain't gonna touch it until you tell me who needs it. That's important. When you tuck it away, you've got to commit that money to God. If we don't physically set it aside for God, then we're just going to spend it, right? 
If it's in the wallet, we'll just spend it. But if you hide it somewhere in the wallet and you know where it is and you know how much it is and you know that it's God's money for when he tells you to use it, then you have created margin in your wallet so that you could bless somebody. This is incredibly powerful because when you tuck it away and then God nudges you at the right moment, you might just be an answer to somebody else's prayer. But you can only do that if you actually create that margin and tuck it away. Start with $5, and you might work your way up from there and just see who God asks you to bless. Just see who it is whose prayer you might just answer. Now, here's the key to all of this, to all all three challenges. Don't overthink your yes to God. Don't overthink it. Just say yes. If God prompts you to book in that time with him or that time with your children or somebody else important in your life, don't hesitate. Just book it in. If God prompts you to leave your house early, to show up early, or to stop and have a conversation with somebody that's standing solo at the coffee counter, don't hesitate. Just do it. If God prompts you to pull out that God money that you put aside so you could bless somebody that is struggling, don't hesitate. Just do it. Instead of thinking, well, what will happen to me if I put myself out there like that? Like I could get embarrassed or rejected. I want you to engage in dangerous altruism. And I want you to reverse that question and say, well, you know what? What will happen to them if I don't? I want this to be a year where we make room for people. I want it to be a year where we get a little inconvenienced in order to actively help somebody in need. I want it to be a year where we have margin in our wallet to spontaneously give to those that are struggling. The guy that needs the tow truck the mother that needs some groceries, the the homeless guy that needs a hot coffee. I want us to have room in our lives so that we can love people in this community. I want it to be a year where we go out of our way to host people in God's house. A year where we realize it's not about us, but it's about us showing love to people that don't yet know love. It's about us getting outside of ourselves and engaging in altruism and serving for the sake of serving, loving for the sake of loving. We need to put our needs aside so that somebody who desperately needs to meet their creator could actually see the love of God pour out of an individual. This year, let's look for opportunities. Let's make room for people. Let this be a year where we've got a whole lot of room in the margin, where we're ready to be used by God when he prompts us to. And hopefully, on the day of judgment, the king will say to us, truly I say to you, when you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. Church, let me pray for you. God, I just thank you so much that you are love. And that you didn't just create love, but you demonstrated how to love. And God, I pray that this would be a year where as a church, we could engage in this dangerous question where we could say, what will happen to them if I don't help? What will happen to them if I don't approach them? God, I pray that you could use each and every single one of us to show love to people this year. We want to show the love of Jesus to people that don't yet know you. People that have maybe never felt love in their life, maybe never felt value or purpose in their life. God, use us to help turn those situations around. God, I pray that you would empower each and every single one of us to make some room in the margin as we make room for you. If you believe that, would you say amen? Amen. There's one more prayer that I want to pray 
before I close today because I don't think it's right to start the new year without giving you an opportunity to meet love. Because I know there's some people in this room that have never actually met their creator or said yes to following Jesus or maybe you've walked away and this is your first time back after years or decades and you're saying you know what 2020 I need to get things right I need to get my life right with God I need to get back on track because I know that God loves me and he has a plan for me I don't want to get off this stage without giving you an opportunity to say yes to God and so we're going to all bow our heads out of respect for the people around us because we don't want to get distracted in this moment and we're going to close our eyes Because in a crowded room, I have a very personal question. Do you want to know love? Do you want to know Jesus? The one who went to the cross for you and died for you and paid the price that you deserve to pay. He did all of that because he loves you desperately. And he wants to know you and he wants to tell you the plan and the purpose he has for your life. So I'm going to do you, I want you to do something brave. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hand if you want to start that journey with Jesus. And we're going to pray a very simple prayer. One, two, three. Lift your hand now if you want to know him. I see that hand on the left. Amazing. God loves you. I see that hand at the back. God loves you so much. I see that hand in the middle. Amazing. God sees you. God loves you. He's got a plan for you. Is there anybody else saying, yes, Darcy? I don't know everything about God. I don't have all my questions answered, but I know enough to know that I want to start this journey with him. Is that you? Amazing. Amazing. If I see you in your hands, you can put them down. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want you to pray this with me, and all the believers in the room are going to pray this too. Say, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need your grace. I need to know your love. I want to know the purpose you have for me. I want you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. All I have is yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we celebrate with those that just made that decision?